Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. So good morning. If you don't know me, if you're a guest with us this morning, you are most welcome. Uh, my name is Josh, and along with the team, uh, we lead here at Activate Christchurch. And you've picked an interesting Sunday to come to church because next Sunday, the 20th of September, we are starting a church fast. And so this morning, I'm going to be teaching uh, on fasting, uh, what fasting is, what the Bible says about fasting, uh, why we fast. Um, but before I talk about fasting, uh, let me just give a plug for the spit roast. Uh, Next Saturday. So, uh, men, give me a wave. We're going to be teaming up with uh, Cornerstone, and next Saturday, the 19th, uh, we're going to be down here, and we're doing Stronger Conference. It's a shortened version. It's a level two version. Uh, There's going to be less than 100 people here, uh, and what we're doing is we are going to be coming together. We're going to be doing some worship here, uh, and then we are watching a message from Pastor Sam Monk, who is the leader of the X movement, and we'll be watching a message from uh, Pastor Steve Graham, who used to pastor in this church and now is the principal of Equippers College uh, up in Auckland, and then we're having a spit roast. Okay. <laughs> yep. Awesome. So you guys are excited about it? That's good. <laughs> it is $40, $40 per person, and what we've basically done is we've gone, hey, look, the spit roast is like $35 a head. We're just going to spend all the money on the food. That's, that's pretty much it. We might not even have enough. We might have to chip into the church accounts and, and top it up. But uh, we had to make a decision. It's been really difficult to organize this conference because of all of the restrictions that keep changing. And originally, we were all together in one place, and then we were split up, and then there was this, and then there was that. And so in the end, I just said, hey, look, I don't care if we get eight guys here. We're doing a spit roast. If it ends up costing $200 per person, I don't care. We're doing a spit roast because the next day, we're fasting. So we're going to do, do a spit roast, Right? So uh, if you haven't registered, you can jump on to strongerconference.co.nz, or the easiest way is to just tell me. Say, hey, I'm coming. I'll bring 40 bucks on the day. It's next Saturday. It's going to start at about 9.30. We'll do lunch at about 12.30. The whole thing's done by 1.30, and, and then you can go home and uh, stuff your face as much as you can before Sunday starts. So, so fasting. What is fasting? What does the Bible say about fasting? And why do we fast? First of all, uh, let's just talk about what fasting is. If you Google fasting, the internet will tell you that fasting is the willful refrainment from eating for a period of time. That's what the internet says. This is the physical definition of fasting. It is choosing on purpose to refrain from eating for a certain period of time. Now, I know that we have thrown other things into the mix, and we do things like coffee fasts, and we do chocolate fasts, and we do junk food fasts, and we do Netflix fasts, which is very big in Jesus' day. Um, But I am talking this morning about fasting food, like just saying, I'm not going to eat any food for a certain period of time. And I hashtag sorry, not sorry, if that kind of freaks you out a little bit. Who's heard of the 40-hour famine, the, the fundraiser for World Vision? Right, These little punk kids go around collecting sponsors, and then they fast for like 40 hours. Right, If kids can do it, then we can do it. We're grown-ups, we're adults, we're mature. Right, So it is fasting from uh, willful refrainment from eating for a period of time. That's the physical definition. The best spiritual definition that I've heard comes from a guy called Jensen Franklin, and he says that fasting is hungering after God. 
That is what we are doing in our spirit when we fast. We are hungering after God. We are saying to God, you are now, for this certain period of time, the single most important thing in my life. You are even more important than food, without which, eventually, I will die. Right? There are times when I have fasted and I've looked at my arms and thought, do I need two of these? Like I could eat one and I could still, I mean, what does your left hand do anyway? Have you ever thought about that? Your right hand like just does everything and then your left hand's like, I can't even hold a pen. It's just like, unless, unless you're left-handed, that's right, yeah. There's a few weirdos out there. So, so fast, now before I get into fasting, I want to just talk very quickly about two mistakes that I have made in the past when it comes to fasting. And let me just be really honest, I am not a fasting expert. I'm not a fasting guru. Most of what I'm talking to you about this morning, I learned this week as I was preparing the message. I have fasted from time to time. I've felt challenged to fast more, and I've said, get behind me, Satan. Uh, and, and I have had some success with it. And then there's been times when I've finished a fast and gone, well, that just felt like a complete waste of time. So when you fast on Sunday the 20th, and it'll be up to you whatever you choose to do, however you choose to do it, um, there are two mistakes that you want to avoid. The first mistake is trying to make it as easy as possible. This is human nature, right? We look at the week, we go, okay, when is the easiest time for me to fast? When I've got nothing on, I don't have to miss out on anything. Like, when is the, when is the easiest time? How can I make this as easy as possible? Uh, a year or so ago, Liz and I decided to do a Daniel fast. Now, a Daniel fast is named after the character of Daniel in the Bible, and he was taken prisoner by the Babylonians out of Israel, marched into a new country, new culture, new people, new food, and they were trying to feed him all this stuff that he wasn't used to. And so Daniel said, hey, I'm not eating any of that stuff. I'm just going to focus on what I need to survive. And so it's become a very popular fast in church circles. It's basically like no meat, no sugars, no breads, nothing interesting, no processed food. You're, really, you're just eating to sustain life. Right? You're not eating for enjoyment. You're not going out for dinner parties when you're on the Daniel fast. It's just like you know, bowl of rice and some stew. That's what it's supposed to be like. But my wife's an amazing cook. And we have this thing called the internet. And you can Google awesome recipes on the Daniel fast. And there's all these recipes pop up that you can make, which kind of makes it not that difficult. And I remember sitting down to eat dinner one day, and we were eating a vegetarian stew. And I declared, and those of you that know me will know this is a miracle, I said, I would eat this even if I wasn't fasting. This stew tastes amazing. I can't even tell there's not meat in it. You know, and people go out and they substitute meat for falafel or all that kind of stuff. My point is that halfway through, I thought to myself, I think I'm missing the point here. I have made this so easy on myself. I've made it so convenient. There's now no longer a sacrifice required. And fasting is meant to be a sacrifice. If it doesn't matter to you, it's not going to matter to God. If it doesn't mean anything to you, if it doesn't cost you anything, if there's no sacrifice, then you're kind of missing the whole point. Let's just be straight up. Fasting sucks. Like every now and again, I'll talk to someone who goes, oh, I don't mind it, but I hate them. <laughs> fasting Fasting sucks. Like your stomach, you get gurgling, you know, it's like starts eating in on itself, you get irritable. I am already planning for this fast next Sunday. So all of this week just been I've cut out all sugars. And then this week coming, I'm gonna cut out pretty much all of my carbs. Because what happens is if you've got a high sugar, high carb diet, and then you just stop eating, you become Satan. And so <laughs> So I am planning 
I'm planning ahead to try and minimize the effect on my family. Because when your wife comes to you and says, for the love of God, stop fasting, that's not a good sign, right? I'm like, I'm fasting for the love of God. Um, So my encouragement to you is don't try and minimize this. Don't try and make it easy on yourself. If you've never fasted before and you're terrified at the thought, then just shoot for a day. Right, get up in the morning, don't eat breakfast, don't eat lunch, don't eat dinner, go to bed, try and do a whole day. Kids do it all the time. My eldest daughter, Jess, is 10. When she was nine, last year, she did her first full day fast, got up on a Sunday, didn't eat the whole day, which was hard because we went out for lunch to Simon and Wendy's house and they did like this amazing barbecue and I was just grumpy because I was also fasting, and Jess just sat there, and her brother and her sister were drinking fizzy out of the bottle and having sausages and stuff, and I was so proud of her. She's nine, so you can do it, right? If you've done a day or you've done a couple of days here or there, then shoot for three, right? If you've done a three-day fast, at times, you know, go for five. My point is talk to God about it, ask him what he wants you to do, but don't just default to how can I make this as convenient and as easy as possible in my life? Because I've made that mistake, and it really diminishes what God can do in your world and what you get out of a fast. The second mistake that I've made is I didn't push into God in any other way. So I've done a fast, but every other part of my day looks exactly the same. I've got up, I've mucked around, I've gone to work, I've come home, I've watched TV, I've consumed junk through the television, I go to bed, and after three days... I'm like, well, what did that achieve? If you fast food for a period of time and then nothing else in your life changes, that's not fasting, that's just dieting in a really unhealthy way, right? It's just forgetting to eat. And so the idea with fasting is that not only are you not eating, but you take the time that you would have spent preparing dinner, eating dinner, sitting down, watching the news, whatever, and instead of doing that, you go to your bedroom, you shut the door, you put on worship, and you, you commit to seeking after God. And again, I want you to get as much out of this as possible. And I know that one of the best ways to get nothing out of a fast is to just stop eating and then do everything else normal. Don't read your Bible, don't spend time with God, just be like, well, I'm fasting, so that's that. I've made that mistake. And it sucks because fasting is hard. And if you get to the end of it, and God's like, well, what were you doing, bro? You were just not eating. And also, this isn't a third mistake, but I'll put it up there. Don't stand on the scales every half an hour. (laughs) I've made that mistake too. Like, yeah, I'm fasting, but I'm also kind of getting skinny, you know? Don't do that, because what happens is, after you finish a fast, it it all comes back on. And avengers, because it's not a healthy way to diet. So fasting is not dieting. So don't make those two mistakes. Ask God, look, God, what do you want me to do? And push yourself. It has to be a sacrifice. And then when you are doing it, look to increase your Bible reading times, look to increase the time that you spend with God. I'd really encourage you, the best fast that I have ever done is when I've fasted food and television. When I say, look, God, I'm just not... And we're only talking a week, kids. I'm not saying for the rest of the year right? I'm just saying if you take the time to spend with God, it's going to exponentially increase what you get out of it. So let's look at what the Bible says about fasting. Let's talk about the elephant in the room. Is it true, Josh, that nowhere in the New Testament are we specifically commanded to fast? Yes, that is true. Nowhere in the New Testament does Jesus specifically say, hey, you're supposed to fast. 
Paul the Apostle never says you're supposed to fast. Peter doesn't mention it. John doesn't mention it. Nowhere in the New Testament will you find uh, black and white instruction to fast. So what does the Bible say about fasting? First of all, we know that Jesus fasted, right? Because in Matthew chapter 4, verse 2, we have the greatest understatement in the whole Bible where it says that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Here it comes. After fasting... 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. It's like the biggest understatement in the whole Bible. I love the way the King James Version puts it. The King James Version says that he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterward, he was and hungered. I don't know what and hungered means, but it sounds a lot more impressive. I'm going to start using it from now on when I get home. I am and hungered, Right? But we know that Jesus fasted. And there's other times in the Bible where Jesus says, hey, I don't need to eat. My food is to do the will of the Father. Right? So Jesus fasted. We know that Jesus expected others to fast because in Matthew chapter 6, he says this, when you fast, and then he follows it with a bunch of instructions on what to do when you fast. If somebody says to you, hey, when you do this thing, it's communicating, I expect you to do that thing. Like if I said to Elise, hey, when we have lunch on Wednesday, bring that book that you borrowed, right? that's communicating, I expect this to happen. If I said to Abel, hey, when you get home, can you check such and such? I'm communicating, I expect that to happen. Jesus doesn't say, hey, guys, let's talk about fasting. This is something that you need to be doing. He just says, hey, when you do it, this is how you do it. He expects others to fast. We know that the apostles fasted, the early church leaders fasted. In Acts chapter 13, it lists a bunch of church leaders that were all together, Barnabas and Simeon and um, Saul, who was Paul. And it says this, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work to which I have called them. So we know the early church leaders were praying and fasting. We know that Paul fasted and Barnabas fasted because in Acts 14, it says Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each church and with prayer and fasting committed them to the Lord. So what do we know about the Bible? We know that Jesus fasted. We know that he expects people to fast. We know that the apostles fasted. The early church leaders fasted. Everybody is fasting. It is such a part of the early Christian lifestyle. In fact, I would suggest that the reason it's not in the Bible specifically for us to fast is because everybody was already doing it. And you don't need to tell someone to do something if they're already doing it. It was such a part of their Christian lifestyle. It was such a part of their early church culture. No one had to ever say to anyone, hey, have you heard about this thing called fasting? Let me teach you on it. You need to do it. It was all just like, hey, we just all do it. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands on how often we fast here, but for some reason, over the years, fast forward to 2020, fasting is not a huge part of most Christians' lifestyles, and that is a massive shame, because fasting is incredibly powerful. It's a huge tool uh, to grow your relationship with God, to learn how to hear the voice of God, to see God's will being mapped out in your life. Fasting is one of the strongest tools that you have in your arsenal, and most Christians don't use it. And the reason we don't use it, if we're honest, is because it's hard. It's hard. So the other thing we know about fasting is that it was a critical part of the Jewish faith. 
Jewish people fasted. Even though there's no specific instructions to fast in the New Testament, there are a lot of instructions to fast in the Old Testament. The most famous Jewish fast is what they call uh, Yom Kippur. Who's heard of Yom Kippur? You've heard of that? So Yom means day. Kippur means to atone. So Yom Kippur is literally the day of atonement. The day of atonement is the most famous day, the holiest day on the Jewish calendar, right? And so they fast on the Day of Atonement. It's often referred to as the Sabbath of Sabbaths. Now, I'm going somewhere with this. This blew my mind when I learned this this week. But let me just start by saying I had no idea that any of this was a thing. No idea until Tuesday, Wednesday this week. So Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, it is the last day of a 10-day period that marks the start of the Jewish New Year. Now, our New Year is set by date, right? So 1st of January every year, that's when our year starts. The Jewish year, the calendar is a Gregorian calendar. It's based on the moon and things like that. So their dates are always shifting. That's why Easter is always different every year, right? So Yom Kippur comes at the end of a 10-day period. This 10-day period is called Yamim Noraim. Yamim Noraim translates to days of awe. And this 10-day period is called the High Holy Day. So this is the first 10 days in the Jewish New Year. Now it starts with a two-day celebration called Rosh Hashanah. And according to Jewish tradition, what the Jewish people believe is that over Rosh Hashanah, this two-day period, God will write your name in the book of life. After that two-day celebration, there is a seven-day window, a seven-day period. And during that period, you are supposed to repent of your sins. You're supposed to fast after God. You're supposed to devote yourself to seeking Him. You really just set aside this seven-day period as like, this is how I'm starting my year. And then it finishes with Yom Kippur. So you've got two days at the start, a seven-day window, and then one day at the end, 10 days. And according to Jewish tradition, God will seal your name in the book of life on the Day of Atonement for the next year. This is what is so interesting to me, is that this year, 2020, Rosh Hashanah is this Friday. So we have a two-day celebration on Friday and Saturday, and this seven-day period starts on Sunday, the 20th of September. When we come together on Sunday the 27th, after fasting as a family over that week and take communion, we are taking communion on the Day of Atonement the holiest day in the Jewish calendar. Isn't that wild? Like, who feels that maybe God's setting us up a little bit here? You know, I, I don't believe in consequences. Can't, well, that's not a word. I don't believe in that either. <laughs> I also don't believe... That's rubbish. Uh, I don't believe in coincidences. I believe that coincidences are just God working behind the scenes. And I don't think it's a coincidence at all that as a church we're coming together to seek God, to hunger after God in a seven-day period that is the same seven-day period that the Jewish people are doing it. That's awesome. right? So already I know that God wants to do something wild in your life over this period. Okay, so what I want to do is we know what the Bible says, we know what fasting is. Let's look at why do we fast real quickly. There's so many different reasons why we would fast. And you can read books on fasting. And if you just Google fasting, you can watch YouTube videos on fasting, which is what I did a lot of this week. Uh, And then I've got personal stories as well. But three reasons why we fast. Number one, we fast to feed our spirit, right? The Bible talks a lot about how we are constantly in a battle 
between our body and our spirit, between our flesh and our spirit. The uh, um, Passion Translation puts it this way in Galatians 5.17. Paul writes, for your self-life, other translations say your body or your flesh, your self-life craves the things that offend the Holy Spirit and hinder him from living free within you. And the Holy Spirit's intense cravings hinder your old self-life from dominating you. So then the two incompatible and conflicting forces within you are your self-life of the flesh and the new creation life of the spirit. We are constantly in this battle between what our spirit wants to do and what our body wants to do. Our spirit wants to get down on our knees and read our Bible and pray all day. Our body wants to watch The Bachelor, right? Our spirit wants to fast and fast and fast. Our body wants a spit roast, right? Our spirit wants to be pure and holy. Our body leads us down all sorts of unhealthy appetites and unhealthy paths, all right? Now, I love what Paul says in Romans chapter 14. So Paul is like the most famous Christian in the New Testament. Like he wrote half of the New Testament. There's 27 books, 13 were written by Paul. Maybe Hebrews, we don't know. But he says this, he says, I do not understand what I do. Tell me if this resonates with anybody. For what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. Have you ever felt like that? Like, have you ever made a decision, done something, said something, and you're like, I don't, I don't want to be that person. Why did I act like that? What part of me made me, that's not who I want to be. I want to be like this person over here. Why am I always doing stuff I don't want to do? Uh, in verse 19, he says, I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. This is Paul talking, right? I love it. He says, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So every Christian struggles with this battle between what our spirit wants and what our body wants. They're always fighting. There's a really old uh, parable, which is the parable of the two wolves, which you guys have probably heard of. Uh, it's from an unknown origin, but a lot of people will attribute it to like the Cherokee Indians. But the, the parable of the two wolves is essentially there's a grandfather trying to explain to his grandson about these two opposing forces that are constantly battling inside of him. One wants to do the right thing, one wants to do the wrong thing. You see it represented in cartoons all the time. An angel pops up onto one shoulder and a devil pops up into the other shoulder and you know they're trying to get people to do this or do that. And so he's explaining it to his grandson in the form of, I've got these two wolves inside of me. And the grandson says to him, well, which wolf wins? And the old man says, whichever I feed the most. When we fast, we are feeding our spirit. Not only are we feeding our spirit, but we are denying our body. So it's like a two-pronged attack, right? Now, here's a question to ask yourself, which I asked myself this week is if I were to look at my routine, if I were to look at my life during the week and ask the simple question, what am I feeding more, my spirit or my flesh? What do I do? Do I read my Bible more or do I watch TV more? Do I I invest my time and my energy uh, into seeking after things that are going to grow me in the spirit or do I put most of my time into going after things that grow my body? What do I feed the most? Fasting is a great way to feed the Spirit. So number one, it feeds the Spirit. Number two, we fast to bring repentance. Repentance is a super unsexy word. 
It's not used a lot in 2020, but it's used a lot in Acts chapter 2 and 3 and 4. It's used a lot in the birth of the early church. Repentance means to change the way that you think, you know, to do a 180, um, to, to say, look, I'm sorry for doing what I did. I, wanna, I don't want to do that anymore. I, I want to do this instead. And fasting is a great way to do this because what fasting does, here's a quote from a theologian called Richard Foster. He says, more than any other discipline, Fasting reveals the things that control us. To fast without an element of soul-searching and relinquishment of one's own will is self-defeating. I did a fast a couple of years ago now, and I did it because I just felt unsettled. I felt like I was kind of out of rhythm with God, and, and it wasn't that God said, hey, you've got to do it, but I just felt like I wanted to do it. And so I ended up fasting for 10 days. That's the biggest one that I've ever done. No food for 10 days, just water. Uh, and then Liz uh, would make me this sort of energy drink, which was water and a little bit of lemon juice and a teaspoon of honey and some cayenne pepper. And it didn't taste great, but it was just a nice change from, from water. Um, and the cayenne pepper wasn't helpful at the other end. But <coughs> uh, all sorts of things happen when you fast. I'm just warning you now. right? But what I remember from that fast is is months before that fast, I had made a mistake. And it, it was a mistake that it doesn't matter what it was, but I'd made a mistake. And at the time, I said to myself, this is not a mistake that Liz needs to know about. This is, I don't know if anyone's ever made a mistake and then thought to themselves, I'll just keep this between me and no one else. And so that was fine. That happened. And then I started this fast like three or four months later. And I got to like day three, and this thing popped back into my head that had happened months ago. And I just felt this little wee check like, hey, you need to tell Liz about that. And I was like, no, because that's going to be, you know, argument and stuff and messy, and anyone that's married knows what that's like. Um, so I thought, no, I won't. And it got to like day four, day five, and I'm like praying and stuff. And, and like literally every time I close my eyes, every time I get down on my knees, every time I put on a worship song, this thing's like, you have to tell, you have to tell Liz. And it got stronger and stronger and stronger. And by about day seven, I'm not joking, I thought I was going to die. I, it was just, it was, it was all I could, it was so consuming. It was this weight that was on me that I just had to get rid of. And about day eight, I think I sat down and said, hey, you know, here's something that happened and talked it through and stuff because that's what marriage is all about. But my overwhelming memory of that 10-day fast, if you said to me, hey, biggest fast you've ever done, what happened? I'd say it brought something to the surface that had to be dealt with, that I was able to keep below the surface while I lived my life, while I ate my dinners, while I watched TV, But when I committed a period of time to God and I set aside food, this thing came up and I could not keep it down. Have you ever, who's who's thrown up before? Can you control that? No. When that thing wants to come up, it's just like, get out of my way, right? It was like that. It was, I had no control of it in the end. Uh, And so when we fast, be prepared for things in your life that God wants to bring to the surface to come to the surface. It's a good sign. It means that things are working. Uh, And then the third thing is we fast to prepare ourselves. You know, there's a part in the Bible, it's in Mark chapter 2, it's in a couple of different Gospels actually, but in Mark chapter 2, the Pharisees and John the Baptist's disciples come to Jesus and they say, hey, we all fast. Of course they do, because it's what they all did. They didn't have to be told to fast. They said, we all fast. What, what are your thoughts on fasting, Jesus? How come your disciples aren't really doing it at the moment? And Jesus says, hey, now's not the time. 
but once I've gone, then they're going to fast. So again, more expectation that fasting is just what they do. And then he makes this weird comment, typical Jesus. He says, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. They pour new wine into new wineskins. And it's like, what are you talking about, man? What is this? I asked you about fasting. You're talking about wine and wineskins. Like, what are you on? I looked at this a couple of years ago when I was trying to work out what the point was of fasting. And this is what I felt like God said. Uh, he said, hey, look, you know, in the old days, wine was poured into animal skins, right? You've seen them on, like, you know, the old school gladiator movies and stuff that have gourds with wine in them. And if you poured new wine into a new animal skin, as the wine aged, it gives off gases, and the gases expand the skin. If you pour new wine into a new wineskin that hasn't had that done before, the skin can handle it. It's like if you pinch a baby's cheek. Man, that thing just snaps right back into place. You know, you pinch like an old person's cheek. A week later, you can still see your fingerprints on there, right? Like the skin, the skin loses its, it, it loses its elasticity, right, as it ages. So you pour new wine... Can you guys, can you still see my mark on my neck there? Yeah. Yep. So I've got this line like right down here. Do you want to know how I did I did this yesterday. I went to the gym and I was lifting dumbbells and I went, <clears throat> and I pinched <laughs> my neck, right? And so in the gym in front of everyone, I'm like, <laughs> and then I looked in the mirror, there's this line like just straight down there. It's like the weirdest mark. I got home and I was like, what is that? I was like, oh man, you can see that. Same, same day, I dropped another weight on my finger and it turned, oh, I was having a nightmare. What was I talking about? Um, yeah, wine skins, right? So you pour, you pour new wine. Luckily, my skin's still pretty, pretty supple. Uh, you, pour, you pour new wine into new wine skins. If you pour new wine into old wine skins, right, they can't handle the expansion. So what Jesus is saying is, is that there is, there's new vision, there's new purpose, there's new things that I have for you, because this is his answer to the question about fasting. But I can't pour it into you if you've got an old mindset, if you've got an old way of thinking, if you're stuck in your ways. If I try and pour my new plans into your life, if I tell you what I've got planned for you, if I tell you what this next step looks like, if I get you excited about um, you know, what I want you to do in this world, and you've got an old mindset, you've got a religious mindset, you've got an old attitude, you don't read your Bible very often, man, that thing is going to ruin you. It'll burst you. And not only will it ruin your life, not only will it ruin you, but the, it says that the wine is ruined as well. The revelation that God had for you, the vision, the plans that he had for your life are ruined. And so what we need to do is we need to go, okay, how do I turn myself from an old wineskin into a new wineskin? How do I get that elasticity back? How do I get that room to expand and to grow and the new way of thinking and the new attitude? The answer is fasting. That's why Jesus uses the story when they come to him and say, hey, what's the deal with fasting? When we fast, we are preparing ourselves for a new download from God, for a new vision, a new purpose, a new way of doing things. So fasting is incredibly powerful. We fast to feed our spirit. We fast to deny our bodies. We fast to bring repentance. It brings stuff to the surface that God needs to deal with so that we can move on to the next stage of life that he has for us, the next stage of blessing that he has for us. And we fast to prepare ourselves to change the way that we think. Some of the biggest revelations that I've ever had in my life have come during a fast or off the back of a fast. 
Sometimes nothing happens during a fast, and it won't be until months later that I look back and go, ah, I see what shifted in my world then. I see what happened then. It was just a subtle change in the way that I thought about things, and it's had this domino effect. So fasting is, it should be an integral part of our Christian walk. It should be. And if we live from day to day, week to week, month to month, year to year, and we don't do this, then we are missing out on a huge tool that God has given us to grow in who he wants us to be. I'll get the band to jump up, thanks. And so, like I said at the start, as we move into the church fast, what we're going to do next Sunday is we're going to start the fast with communion. Uh, so a little bit of cordial, you know, a little bit of bread. That's going to signify the start of our church fast down here on Sunday morning. And the church fast is going to run for the whole seven days, and then we will finish it, we'll bring it to an end on Sunday the 27th, again with communion. Now, my goal, and I tell you this not because I'm bragging, because you guys should know by now that I don't do that, but my goal is to try and fast the whole seven days. That's, that's my goal. I feel as, a, as the pastor, as the leader, you know, that's my responsibility. I don't feel that for any other person. You do what you feel God wants you to do, but can I encourage you to not take it lightly? Don't look for the easy way out. And when you do it, set aside not just the fact that you're not eating, but also at certain times in the day. Take the time that you would spend having breakfast or lunch or dinner and commit to him. Cut down on your TV watching just for that seven-day period. Every night that week, starting on Sunday, so we have our service in here Sunday morning, and then Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, we're here. And there's something happening every night. You don't have to come to every one, but I tell you what, if you're hungry, keeping yourself busy is a great way to pass the time. Nothing worse than being starving and just sitting at home being like, oh man, I thought it was like four hours. It's been like four minutes, right? So come down. We're going to be doing worship. We're going to be doing prayer. Now, what I want you to do just as we finish up this morning is I want, and you can do this during the week as well. Don't feel you have to have the answer this morning, but I want you to ask God, ask the Holy Spirit, hey, what do you want me to do in this seven-day period, God? Do you want me to fast a day? Do you want me to fast two days? Do you want me to fast a day on, a day off, a day on, a day off, a day on, a day off? Do you want me to do three days spread out over the week or three days together? Do you want me to fast from sunup to sundown? Now, different people have different jobs. Uh, You know, when I was doing the bulk of my fasting, I was in media and my job meant sitting in a chair talking, wasn't overly physical. Someone else might have an intensely physical job. You need to talk with God about what that looks like. It could be that God says, hey, I want you to fast everything. I had a, a friend once, and, and God said to him out of the blue, I want you to do a fast, and you're only allowed to eat rice and pears. And he was like, that's weird, rice and pears. That day, someone turned up to his house with two huge boxes of pears. And they just said, I don't know why, but I feel like God wanted me to give you this, Right? Um, and then he was talking with the doctor, and the doctor was like, actually, you know, some of the stuff that's in, pears and rice, it's pretty much those two foods contain everything that you need to kind of get by. So it could be that God says something to you like that. Hey, look, I don't want you doing anything except eating rice, whatever. That's between you and God. So ask him, hey, what do you want me to do in this seven-day period? And then the next question to ask him is, what are you going to give me? I'm, I'm totally okay with asking God that question. Like the Bible, we looked at this, and one of God's characteristics is He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Right, fasting is one of the ways that we diligently seek Him. 
this is how I stand after a week with no sugar. When I get up to preach after the fast, I'm just going to be like, blah, 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 blah. Can't talk straight. Right? He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So ask him, okay, God, what, what am I going to receive in this? What can I expect to get from this? What revelation are you going to be pouring out to me? He wants you to do this, and he wants to bless you and reward you.